Bullshit is everywhere. Bullshit. Bullshit is rampant. Total fucking bullshit. B -b -b bullshit. This makes no fucking sense. I mean, it's just bullshit. Fuck. B -b -b bullshit. This is bullshit. I want you to get up right now and go to the window, open it, and stick your head out and yell, I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Damn right. Welcome back to Bullshit Filter, the news, uh, episode 25, this day mm -hmm. of our Lord and Saviour, Donald Trump, 666. May his hairpiece be thrice blessed and his tiny hands continue to receive divine telegrams from the space lizard overlords. My name is Cameron Riley. How are you, Ray Harris, bubble boy? I am uh, doing better, much better after that intro. Thank you for the chuckle. Now, uh, I don't know if you know this, Ray, but yeah. uh, it's uh, the other way of uh, uh, measuring dates, apart from the day of our Lord. It's day 666, right. which is obviously auspicious in and of itself. It's right. the 19th of November, 2018. On the 7th of November, 2018, do you know uh, what happened? November. No, tell me. You and I forgot that it was our Five-year anniversary Aww. of the first time we ever spoke on this here Skype technology. Uh, the 7th Aww, of November was the five-year anniversary of when you and I said, fuck it, let's just have a chat and see how it goes for the first time. And our first podcast came out a month later, I think the 7th of December, wow. the first episode of the Caesar show. So that will be our five-year anniversary of actually talking and working together nice. five years one tenth five years. of my life i have spent <laughs> not quite 50 but you're a little over 50 so i'm just sort of averaging it out between We're the two exactly. of us but yeah yeah one tenth of our lives we have spent uh talking to each other every week five years of your voice in my head wow and you know okay. when that would explain when it actually yeah. gets to five years the exciting thing is we can have sex because i know that's okay. Your rule of thumb, you have to be dating someone for five years before you let them have sex with you. It's coming, baby. Yeah. Very yeah, yeah. exciting. <laughs> now, last week, Ray, last week, you, um, you you threw some stuff in about hate crimes in the United States. And, yeah. And I asked you questions. Um I got I got some yeah. emails from people like Trevor Bell going, well, that was fucking, that was uncomfortable. I thought Ray was going to punch you in the nuts. <laughs> I said he'd have to get a ladder to be able to punch me in the nuts. But you oh. said you were going to go away and do some more work right. on that. What did you come up with, buddy? Well, before I answer that, I now know what I want for Christmas, a ladder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I, no, I'm glad I did because uh, I found out some um, – what I think is some some pretty fascinating stuff. So I looked at the UK, Germany, and France, and their uh, hate crime rates are up as well from, say, like, you know, 2013, 2011, that kind of stuff, but for various reasons, which I thought we it would be interesting for us to compare um, to what we were talking about last time with the United States. So as you can imagine, these other countries, you know, they define a hate crime as a criminal offense based, you know, if it's on religion, faith or belief, race, race, ethnicity, sexuality, nationality, disability, 
gender identity. So, so pretty much, um, you know, on par with everybody else. So in the UK and, and the way they do it, they do it from year to year, but it's not, you know, the calendar year. So the last time they came out with some numbers, they had just over 80,000 offenses recorded. And I think they, I think they kind of group everything together, which is why that number is so large. But the point is, that is a 29% increase from the previous year of 62,000. And um, yeah. This is in exactly. the UK, you said? In the UK, yes. Now, here, here's the thing, though. This is what makes it fascinating. This does not appear to be a general, truly internal trend. From what I could gather, I think they're reacting to events in their country. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> So, so one of the things that they, the reason the numbers are up from the recent past is one of the events was the big EU referendum that was going on. And also as far as cops trying to improve their reporting uh, capability, but, it, but every country says that with every um, statistic. So I take that with a grain of salt. But um, during the EU referendum campaign, which began in April of 2016. This is the, the, the this is the Brexit Brexit, uh, Brexit. Yep. Exactly. Brexit. So, so they, they have their, uh, they have their referendum. The results come out. The world is shocked. But the point is, leading up to that, there was such a anti-immigrant, anti-foreign campaign launched by Farage and a lot of other people. And obviously, it was very successful because the people outside of the the major cities voted for it. Um, so you had this major event where they really focus all the ills of the country and, and, and they blame it all on the foreigners. So that had a very powerful effect. So you can, so you can extrapolate from that, that there was a lot of reaction to that. And so a lot of foreigners, uh, foreign born people are attacked inside the UK. But even then um, after that, you've got the Westminster bridge terrorist attack in March of 2017. Again, right after that event, the numbers, the assaults, um, whatever you want to call it, whether it's verbal, physical against foreign born people, shoots through the roof in the UK, almost up to the point of the same numbers for the referendum attacks. So again, as you can imagine, their their attacks are mostly based on race, and then followed by sexual orientation, religion, that kind of thing. And here was one thing that was particular to the UK that no other country matched. And obviously, there's something very specific going on there that I have no idea what it is. But even though attacks against disabled people was only 7% of the overall attacks. That was like a huge increase from the previous year. So I don't know what's going on, but there, there's obviously some, some specific issue that's going on there. But um, what makes all this interesting is that in the UK, there was a slight drop in uh, hate, in, uh, hate violence. Um, and from 2011 to 2012 to their 2012-2013, as far as attacks based on race, sexual orientation, and religion, that actually dropped a little bit. But then after that, in all five categories, it starts climbing up. And it started with uh, it started with the um, the conflict in Israel and Gaza that everybody saw on the news. You know, in July of 2014, you've got that conflict that's it's all over the news. And then in January of 2015, you have the Charlie Hebdo shooting. And then the fall of 2015, wait, wait, you've wait, got. Wait. Are we still yeah, talking about yeah. hate crime UK. rates in the UK? What what's yeah. what France and Israel got to do with it? Well, we're we're going to get into it. what it is. Is these people are seeing this on the news, and it's reminding them of all the people that are in their country that that they suddenly become resentful towards. But the point is, you have the Charlie Hebdo, you have like a terrorist attack, and then you have the other terrorist attack in Paris. 
which then leads into the EU referendum. And so by then, everybody's so worked up about all the foreigners in their country that the, the uh, amounts of violence against them just starts going into very incredible numbers that have just been climbing ever since 2012, 2013. So, so I know that yeah. when we did our um, gun control series, um, mm-hmm. we talked about the fact that crime rates in the Western world uh, are down, massively mm-hmm. down, have been falling since the 90s. So right. violence rate, you know, violent crime and crime overall is dropping uh, in the developed mm-hmm. world, has been for decades. Um, and yet you're suggesting that at the same time, hate crime is going up. Crime right. overall hate- is going down, but hate crime right. is going up. Yes, it, it, exactly. In the United States, in the UK, in Germany, and France, hate crimes are going up. Um, and again, it, but see, that's just it. So you've got you've got specific events in in uh, the UK, like the EU referendum. You've got the Westminster Bridge attack, and obviously in France, you have the Paris attacks. You have the Charlie Hebdo. So those numbers have been going up. And in Germany, and I and I don't know how much of this to believe, but again, Germany, uh, say 2012, 2011, actually had a dip in hate crimes, but it started rising. Then it practically doubled from 2016 to 2017. And what I was able to read about, and again, you have to take this with a grain of salt. A lot of people were saying that the refugees that are coming over from Syria and Northern um, uh, North Africa, that they're attacking uh, German nationals. And so now the German nationals don't feel safe in their own country, supposedly because of their, they're being attacked by these outsiders. And so whether that's true or not, or how true that is, doesn't matter. That's the new reality. That's the rumor that's being spread around. So Germany's number of hate crimes, uh, doubled, um, from, uh, I think, let's see here from like, uh, in 2016, from like 3,500 to almost 8,000 in 2017. So again, with these rumors, uh, the the police are reporting this, but again, you really don't know what to believe. But so the point is, the Germans are reacting to supposedly them they're being attacked by the refugees. The France, the French are attack are attacking because of the terrorist attacks. The British are attacking because of the EU referendum and all the propaganda that went along with that. But then that brings us back to America that we talked about last time. Our hate crime stats have gone up in the last three years. We haven't had a terrorist attack by someone from the Middle East. I mean, the all the all the shootings that we have had, and we have had a ton of them, have mostly been by white males, either Christian, non-Muslim, maybe they're atheist, I don't know. And so we haven't had that, that soul-searching of... Um, external threat it's all been internal so but why that, are but, our but sorry do, 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 do those yeah. get included in the hate crime statistics when a guy walks into a synagogue and shoots a bunch of jewish people is that i, I guess that's a hate right crime, i guess right? it, it, it it depends on how it gets labeled but i would say most of those seem to be labeled a hate crime because there's five pretty wide categories and so i think it would be easy to be labeled now i just i, I just pulled up some us data. i was looking for australian data I yeah. couldn't find any but um because we're all about the love here in Australia. No hate, it's all love. Good. Just bubble. Good. People in bubbles. Actually, we don't, we don't like bubbles. But outside <laughs> of that, 
Um, call me somebody a bubble boy. Is that hate crime? Does, does that fit into the... It's not nice. I can tell it... you, there should be a sixth category. Sixth category? Today. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. The, the bubble boy category. I see that Australia, uh, sorry, US hate crime stats, uh, uh, whilst they have been going up the last few years, they're still way down from where they were in the late 90s. Right. And uh, right. they sort of peaked in 2001. Yeah. Um, you had like close to 10,000 incidents in 2001. I think in 2016, you had just over 6,000 incidents. So yeah. um, still so, mm-hmm. showing this overall decline in crime that we reported in, in our gun control um, series. Right. So so what is it? Is it is it just that it's standing out more because the press reported more because they're trying to sell newspapers or get you to click on their well, website? No, is I it mean, it's, it's, it's going up. It has oh, been going yeah. up the last but, few years, but it's but, still half, it seems, well, not half, but 60% of what it was right. 18 years ago. See, it's, so it's it's less than what it had been, but it still seems to be in our face more in the news. Do you, you see my point? It seems to be. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so what did so um, so what did you come up with in terms of potential root causes for it um, in the UK and Europe and the United States? Yeah. I, I think it comes. It's it's it hasn't changed much in the last uh, three four thousand years. It's pretty much um, economics because a lot of the not a lot, but some of the people that voted in the recent U.S. elections, they allowed themselves to be interviewed and they were talking about. Yeah, everybody keeps saying the economy is better, but it hasn't gotten better for me. I still don't have uh, health insurance or or it's out there, but I can't afford it. So it pretty much comes down to economics and being told by someone, whether you listen to Trump or Rush Limbaugh or someone on the right um, or left, I guess it could be, uh, um, that's telling you that your problems are not your fault. It's because of other people trying to get into this country legally, illegally, illegally, they're giving too many benefits. And so I think it's a good old fashioned fear of outsiders and w- which may or may not be true. And the economic plight that some people are in, um, for, for various reasons, I, th- I think it's good old fashioned fear and economics. Hmm. You know, um, I've been writing about fascism uh, recently, uh, the, the, doing a chapter in my book about uh, right. fascism, and uh, blaming your problems on uh, immigrants or, or yeah. just the other, whether or not they're immigrants, <laughs> they can be just minorities the other. and things yeah. like that, is uh, one of the one of the defining characteristics. In, in most uh, classifications of uh, mm-hmm. what fascism does, what it looks like, how it arises, let me read. Uh, let me grab my latest chapter of my book, and I'll read some quotes here. Um, do, 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 tick, tick, tick. Just give me some hold music, right? Um, if you don't mind. Yeah, it's good. It's very good. Um, Robert O. Paxton, the uh, American historian, professor emeritus of the social sciences at Columbia University, who's one of the leading uh, authorities on Vichy France. Uh, He's written a couple of major books on that. Uh, 
he says that the five stages of fascism are one intellectual exploration where disillusionment with popular democracy manifests itself in discussions of lost national vigor Right. He wrote this in 1998, by the way. Um, <laughs> so, Make America Great Again uh, fits right into that. Lost national vigor. They're laughing at us. Yeah. Two. Well, they are now. Second stage, he calls rooting. Now, in Australia, rooting means having sex. So, I like that stage of fascism. <laughs> Lots of rooting going on. It's my on. favorite. Yeah. Yeah. Sex in a bubble is oh, hot. Don't let anybody tell you different. Skinheads. Sex yeah. with skinheads. <laughs> Nothing like it. Jack boot wearing skinheads. <laughs> leather. Reminds leather. me of, uh, what was that fucking Russell Crowe? Vegas? Oh. <laughs> the Russell Crowe Nazi movie. You ever seen that? Oh, I don't think so. You know, I saw the one with Edward Norton, but I don't know. Yeah, that was good too. Romper Stomper. Russell Crowe's first big film, I think, 1992, low budget wow. Australian film. Romper Stomper. You know, I'm not a big fan of your Russell Crowe. Don't think he can act. Right. No, I know. Can't act. Russell Crowe, yeah. uh, shitty actor, shitty, shitty, <laughs> shitty human being, as well as what, what about actor, his band? Yeah, his can't band? sing, can't sing either. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck Russell Crowe. But this right. Romper Stomper, great movie. Uh, he does okay. a really good job in this. I'll go credit where credits due. Great yeah. job um, before he became like a big star. But he plays a neo-Nazi in the suburbs of Melbourne. Um, yeah, and wow. but there's I think there's a hot sexy sex scene in that from memory, so that's why I think neo Nazis are hot in bed. I don't know. That's what I've got to go. No, anyway, but yeah. according back to Robert O. Paxton, rooting where a fascist movement aided by political deadlock and polarization becomes a player on the national stage. Stage three, a rival to power where conservatives seeking to uh-huh. control rising leftist opposition invite classical liberals capitalist, conservative elite, etc., to share power. Mm. Stage four, exercise of power, where the movement and its charismatic leader control the state in balance with state institutions such as police and traditional elites, such as the clergy and business magnates. Right. Stage five, radicalization or entropy, where the state either becomes increasingly radical and as did Nazi Germany, or slips into traditional authoritarian rule, as did fascist Italy. Mm. So nothing really there about um, minorities, actually, in this one. But uh, a, a, a Italian novelist and philosopher, Umberto Eco, in 1995, pa- uh, published an essay called Er Fascism. He was actually a fascist in his uh, youth. He was oh, a big wow. supporter of uh, Mussolini. In the early early years, he was part of like the Mussolini Youth, whatever it was right. actually called. Um, obviously, grew up and, and uh, renounced, denounced, and renounced uh, all of that. But um, he had he in his essay he came up with fourteen points that he believed represented the general properties of fascist ideology. Uh, wow. Number one, the cult of tradition. Two, the rejection of modernism. Three, right. the cult of action for action's sake. Four, disagreement is treason. Five, fear of difference. That's where the minorities come into it. Six, appeal to a frustrated middle class. Seven, obsession with a plot. It's the deep state. Right. You know, know, they're coming to get us. It's the, uh, it's the, it's the liberal media. Um, I eat cheeseburgers because they're trying to poison me. Right. Eight, cast their enemies as both too strong and too weak. 
at the same time. Mm. They're, okay. You know, they're too strong. They run everything. They're running, you know, they're running the country, right. the Jews. But at the same time, right. they're, they're not real humans, the Jews, so we should wipe them out. Um, ah. Nine, pacifism is trafficking with the enemy. Hmm. Ten, contempt for the weak. Eleven, everybody is educated to become a hero. Be a hero for the country. Do what you know. Do right. what you have to do. Make the country strong. Twelve, machismo. Oh God, don't yeah. see any of that in America. Thirteen, selective <laughs> populism, and fourteen, the use of newspeak. Newspeak. Right. Um, anywho, uh, yeah. All right. Hey, crime. I, I once accidentally nearly died when I was young. I burst my bubble just out of sheer machismo. So, it's real, buddy. It's it's a real powerful force anyway so you think it's economics but um Uh, you know we've had tough economic times before that didn't see the rise of hate crimes well well, here's the here's the difference though you have tough economic times and then you have someone like fdr come come along and say we're all in this together there's nothing really to fear we can work together i'm going to do what i can and i'm going to create these programs you've got that then you got tough economic times and someone like Hitler comes along and he says, this is not your fault. You are the victims. I'm a victim. We need to be victims together and we need to overcome the real people who are oppressing us. The Jews, the, the foreigners, the industrialists, whatever. The, the point is, it, communists, the point is that there's always going to be, like you said, tough economic times. It, it comes and it goes. It's what someone does when it's a when it's a harder time, you can be strong and stand up and try to be together and try to rise above it, or you can give into the most base emotional reactions to it, and that is equally powerful, if not more so. And people can do a lot with that. Mm. Well, I think humans are by nature xenophobic, and there's probably good evolutionary biological reasons why that's right. hard coded into the limbic system of our brains for hundreds and hundreds of thousands of years the people who came from a different tribe um on the other side of the valley probably were trying to kill you and take your shit uh that was they they might trade but generally you know you you had to be careful of them you had to be suspicious of them because they probably were trying to kill you um and so there are good survival reasons to mistrust people who didn't look yeah. like you or sound like you, who, who had uh, a different uh, name, different culture, different tradition. Um, yeah. and, and it's easy to play on those sorts of fears with, some, with dog whistle politics. I hate non-bubble people. So yeah. I completely get that. Well, I, hate I mean, bubble, there's only a few I of us. I hate bubble people. With you, with you. I I hate non never nudes, but we can get into that later. <laughs> non never nudes. Are you a never nude, Ray? I am. Yeah, I am. I don't know. I've got I've got video from Vegas. That I deny that. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on with other stories. Um, all right. Uh, 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 fuck you've you've fucked with my notes. I just pulled up my notes and you've fucked with my Khashoggi. Notes. Sorry, did where, not mean where, to fuck where, with where your notes. Oh, notes. Okay, okay, found my notes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh, the Khashoggi investigation. Yeah. Just up. He's going to turn up. He's going to turn up any day now. Oh, he's hiding in Argentina with Elvis, <laughs> Marilyn, Hitler, and Jim Morrison. Jim yeah. Morrison and uh, Andy Kaufman. <laughs> uh, 
Trump's going to pull off his mask and it's actually yeah. going to be Jamal Khashoggi. No, nice. look, I think everyone agrees that he's dead. Of course, the sort of the biggest news that's come out in the last week about this is the CIA and now mm-hmm. saying that they're pretty sure that uh, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, MBS, uh, gave the order. Right. They have very high confidence, they're saying. Now, they're saying that they don't have any direct evidence Ooh. linking him to that. But right. they're saying, look, based on what we do know about how Saudi Arabia works, we right. know that uh, an operation like this wouldn't go down without the uh, direct approval. Yeah. Of yeah. the crown prince. Heads would uh, roll. Yeah. The what? Heads would roll. Oh. I mean, if someone did this and yeah. made him look bad, no, you're you're absolutely, this is, I mean, this is like Germany. They're not going to do anything without this guy say so. You're saying that no one gets assassinated unless Angela Merkel gives the order? <laughs> In case she's listening, I'm not saying anything like that at all. <laughs> um, I think she'd like to have Trump hit. Maybe that'll be. She's retiring. Yeah. Um, yeah. As yeah. Chancellor, did you see that great video of the hundred and one year old woman with Macron and Merkel? No, I missed that. Oh, it's the sweetest thing ever. So last week during the you know sort of the World War One anniversary right. celebrations over there, there was this hundred and one year old woman, I think, who wow. was introduced to Macron. And right. she turned to Merkel and said in French, uh, "Are you Mrs. Macron? Because you know Macron <clears throat> is married to an older, <laughs> an older woman." <laughs> I did not know that. Macron is. I married- thought they all married models. No, Macron is married to his like his high school teacher. Oh, what? <laughs> I thought you were going to say high school sweetheart. I started to say, "Oh, but no. that's." <laughs> no. <laughs> um, he's uh, so Bridget Macron. Um, uh, la, 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 la. Uh, she was she was married, um, had three children, and then she met em- yeah. Emmanuel Macron at La Providence yes, High School, where she was a teacher and he was a student. He rocked that world. He's twenty four years younger than her. Wow. Um, she divorced him and married him. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. She was married, had kids. She divorced her husband and married him, Macron. Uh, one of her students at her high school. Right. Because that's France, man. That's how Yeah, they they're so rock. open. They yeah. rock it. <laughs> she, uh, <laughs> she looks all right. She's, she's, she's yeah. nicely, nicely put together. I, you know, if I had a high school yeah. teacher that looked like that, <laughs> yeah. Anywho, where was I? Um, I do. <laughs> so this old woman turned to Angela right. Merkel and said, "Are you Mrs. Macron?" And Macron, <laughs> it's so beautiful. Macron's not, uh, sorry, not Macron. Merkel's like in French, uh, saying to this woman, "No, no, no. I am the, I am the, I am the Chancellor of Germany." Uh, and the old woman's like, "What?" Like there's a female? Yes, yes. I'm the Chancellor of. She goes, "No, impossible." She goes, "No, no, really. There, we have a female." We have a woman chat. She's like, oh, it's, it's quite sweet. It's very lovely. Uncle oh, Merkel's very sweet that. with her. You know, she's very, yeah. very sweet. Anywho, um, where was I? Something. High confidence. Something. High confidence, yeah. Now, uh, I heard this, uh, read this morning that um, Trump uh, has been briefed on the CIA by this. And he said, listen, if the CIA says it happened, then... 
obviously, I disagree with everything <laughs> that they think. Um, because it's fake news. Uh, anything right. the CIA tells me is fake news. Now, listen, this is one area where Trump and I tend to agree on things. I don't fucking believe anything the CIA ever says either. Right. Uh, and apparently the President of the United States agrees with me. Uh, I can't blame him for that. Uh, anyway, um, he said he didn't listen to the tape. He had an opportunity to listen to the recording. said, I don't need yeah. to hear that. I've heard it's nasty, brutal. Um, Would you want to hear it? No, I wouldn't. Yeah. Justin Trudeau yeah. confirms yeah. that Canada has heard the audio of the killing. It doesn't say whether or not he personally listened to it. Still no real explanation of how the Turks got this recording. I think they're still suggesting it was an I, I, Apple Watch slash iCloud recording. Right. But again, right. that sounds like bullshit. I still think... They probably had the uh, Saudi oh, embassy yeah. bugged. But Every, they, everybody bugs everybody's embassy. That's just the way it is. And I'm still suspicious of anything that comes out of Turkey. And again, that's not getting enough play in the media that you can't fucking believe anything the Turks say to you. Right. And at the moment... He's a strong man, yeah. 100% of the evidence and the stories coming out on this are coming from Turkey. Yeah. That said, um, the U.S. haven't done nothing. They have announced sanctions last week on 17 Saudi individuals who they claim yeah. were involved in Khashoggi's death. But Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman and the king are right. not among them. Neither is the former Deputy Intelligence Chief Ahmed al-Asiri, who was identified by the Saudi's top prosecutor as the highest level Saudi official behind the murder of Khashoggi. Mm -hmm. So the U.S. are announcing sanctions, but just to underlings, not to the people who right. gave the well, orders. I have to ask, and again, I apologize because I, I retired from law, but how do you have sanctions against people and you have high confidence that they did it but you don't have any direct evidence. How, how do you level? How, how do you have sanctions on someone without evidence? Is it a hunch? Is there something they're just not telling us? Which which is fine. I, I would accept that. But it just maybe I'm reading too much into this. But <clears throat> it just seems to me weird to me that they say that they don't have any direct evidence, but they have high confidence. In fact, we're going to go so far as to have sanctions against someone, but we just don't have any evidence. That just seems odd to me. Well, no, I, I don't think that's the case. I mean, they they know the individuals that arrived in Turkey. Ah, Tur right. The Turkish uh, government would have diplomatic records of the Saudis that arrived in the gate to go through some sort of ah. passport check when they arrived in the sure. country. There's two planes that arrived on the day of Khashoggi's murder. So they'd know from Turkey who the individuals were. Also, the Saudi government say they have uh, arrested 21 people involved in the killing and have indicted 11. Jeez. Saudi Arabia's top prosecutor is recommending the death penalty for five of the suspects. Um, right. Of course, I assume that those are the five who uh, could provide evidence that they got orders directly from Mohammed bin Salman. Uh, <laughs> I think you're right. I concur, doctor. Yeah. Scapegoats, yeah. uh, which leads right. me to talk about the Old Testament and Leviticus. Um, Please do. Have I ever talked to you about scapegoats? Have, has that come up on the show? I, I don't think so in the last five years. <laughs> I don't think so. 
Well, there's a there's a great um, there's a great old thing in the Old Testament in the book of Leviticus, which is where all of your mm-hmm. uh, Jewish um, uh, Be careful laws come from. Oh, right, the book of Leviticus. Um, uh, it's like this is where the God hate fags comes from. Um, no. <laughs> Uh, so in Leviticus, uh, basically once a year, there was an annual ritual where you had to take two identical goats and sure. you would set one free and then chase it over the side of a cliff. That one contained, after the ritual, it contained all of the sins of the people of Israel. And you would sacrifice it by setting it free and then chasing it over the side of a cliff, and it would atone for the sins of the people. Then you had the second identical goat that would be taken to the temple and sacrificed on the altar to Yahweh, and that would atone for the sins of the priesthood. Ah. And uh, this is where we, the one that escapes, that's where we get the term scapegoat from ah okay the one one that you would set free as the scapegoat it uh it 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 contained all of the sins of the people now of course those people who are familiar with uh jesus um (laughs) may recall that there is a story in the bible about the trial of jesus by pontius pilate in front of the jews and there were two men who were uh, on trial. There was a man called Jesus, and there was a man called Barabbas. Mm -hmm. And according to the Bible, Pontius Pilate stood up and said to the Jews, "Um, all right, well, you know, according to tradition, I'm going to set one of these men free. Barabbas here is a a murderer and a a violent revolutionary. Other guy (laughs) just walked around. Talked saying witty little bon mots which one should i set free and they said barabbas set him oh. free now yes. what what do you know what barabbas means in uh, hebrew you, no you told me before but i can't remember so we have had this fucking story no no not this not this we were talking about barabbas about something else oh abba in hebrew was father so Bar right. Abba is of the father, son of the father, uh, actually son of, Bar son of, of the son of the father. And according to the Gospel of Matthew, Barabbas's first name is Jesus. So he had two Jesuses there, Jesus, oh. son of God, and Jesus, right. son of the father. Right. And one was set free. I think they mixed them up. And the other uh-huh. was executed. And uh, to oh. serve as a human sacrifice, blood atonement it's, for the sins of story. the sins of the people. Yeah. So basically, that story in the Bible seems to be um, an allegory, a reference to the the mm-hmm. identical twin goats in Leviticus. Is going okay? Well, we're not doing goats anymore. We're doing human sacrifices. Right. Now, right? We moved up. Yeah, we moved up. Yeah. yeah. Anywho, that's uh, what's going on in Saudi Arabia. Funnily enough, they're using the old Jewish uh, Talmud as their guide scapegoats. Um, but in terms of uh, MBS and the king, Trump is still doing nothing. And as far as I'm aware, neither the UN or any other country is doing yeah. anything. No one is really doing anything about no, it because to. they like their oil. And yeah. the Saudi uh, wealth fund um, yeah. probably... Yeah, they buy shit. Owns half their country, right. um, 
<laughs> and has a big stake in their currency. So economics, baby. No one's gonna do anything, jack shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, about this, mark my words. We said this back in the original show on it, and I'm sticking with it today. Nothing's gonna happen. I thought Trump was supposed to be unconventional, outside the box thinker, radical, do things differently. But because he's obsessed with money and business, just like so many other people, he's not going to, I guess, you know, risk money coming in and jobs and all that kind of stuff. That's part of it, I think. And, and I said this in an a earlier show. Um, I think what's really going on here, the reason we're hearing so much about Khashoggi is because this is um, – this is uh, about an internal political struggle in Saudi Arabia. Ah. Remember that MBS um, uh, 18 months ago or so yeah. um, sort of overthrew the previous crown prince. So there's a political right. struggle going on for power in Saudi Arabia. MBS overthrew the last guy who was addicted to painkillers by the sounds of it. Mm-hmm. Um, managed to arrest a whole bunch of the royal family. Uh, yeah, I remember uh, that. And power players. Um, and now uh, his political enemies, uh, uh, both inside the country and outside the country, because there was a lot of people Keeping around, this going. A lot of people right. around the world, including in the United States, that had good relationships going back many, many years with the previous administration in mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia, um, who who are on the outs with the new administration. So they're trying to bring down MBS's administration uh, by harping on about this. But at the same time, they know they can't uh, uh, openly confront Saudi Arabia because of Saudi Arabia's yeah. wealth and oil. So they're... They're just trying to create a big shitstorm about it, so hoping the Saudis, the king, will uh, do something. We'll, we'll clip MBS's wings, maybe remove him, or at least clip, right. clip his wings because it's embarrassing to them. Uh, in order to get rid of this out of the news, they need to maybe bring back some of the former administration, balance of power, that kind of stuff. Of course, right. we believe that uh, Donald J. Trump May his hairpiece be thrice blessed, um, and his son, and, and his son-in-law um, right. have business interests with the current administration um, in Saudi Arabia. Ah. Real, real estate deals, hotel deals, casino deals, all this kind of stuff, and so um, you know they don't want to confront them because they're uh, they got they got they got yeah. deep ties financial ties, business ties over there. So they're trying to make personal money as well as, you know, Trump keeps talking about they're going to buy $110 billion worth of military equipment. Um, but it's it's probably more about Trump's personal uh, connections right. and, and advantages there. I'm guessing. Putting yourself made, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> let's, uh, let's move on to the category of... Uh, they always lie to you. Um, you know, <laughs> one of the premises um, of my book and of my political worldview is that right. uh, now politicians lie to us all the time. Right. Politicians, business leaders, religious leaders, the elite lie to the masses all the time. I mean, we know this because we read history and um, they always have lied. 
And there's no reason to think they're not lying now. So one of our fundamental assumptions about the elite, whether they're political or business or religious, and in fact, they're usually all tied up together in some form, is that mm-hmm. they are lying to us about things at some every day. We don't know exactly what. We yeah. don't know exactly when. We don't know exactly how often and to what degree it's a lie. But they're lying. They're, they're, they're lying to yeah. protect their but asses their and moving. cover their interests. Right. Yeah. Right. So this week, the uh, president of French Polynesia. Now, mm-hmm. for a start, you might be asking yourself, what the fuck is French Polynesia? Um, in our I am. Col- in our Cold War show, we're in the middle of talking about French Indochina, where right. the French decided, you know, this uh, piece of Asia, Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, that's ours now. We're just going to take that. <laughs> Thank um, you. And run it as uh, basically... Merci run it as a, a, a um, imperialist uh, colonial op- uh, yeah. occupation. Well, they did the same thing with a bunch of islands in the Pacific Ocean, South Pacific Ocean. Uh, been controlled by France since 1842, 118 geographically dispersed islands and atolls stretching right. over more than 1,200 miles or 2,000 <laughs> kilometres in the South Pacific Ocean. Uh, Tahiti is one of those islands. Ah. Probably aware that the French had some control um, back in Paul Gauguin's day of Tahiti. Um, mm. So uh, great stories about Tahiti going back. I may have turned, talked to you about this before. About um, you ever heard of um, Captain Cook's uh, biologist? No. What's his name? <laughs> Can remember. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hold on. Okay. Oh, my my Australian history uh, has just failed me. Joseph Banks. Jo- okay. Joseph fucking Banks. Joseph Banks. This is just getting off the off the topic here. A little bit of a side note. But Joseph Banks, amazing, interesting guy. He um sort of uh, had a rich daddy. Rich daddy died. Um, normally. Your, your, your sons in this is like mid mid to late 18th century you know would take that money and go fuck it I'm, I'm going on the grand tour around the continent right, <laughs> right. Joseph Banks said fuck it I'm going to be a biologist and um, oh, he said hey who's, who's who's taking a boat out to weird places I want to come <laughs> and be, be a gentleman scientist and uh, he met James Cook, Captain James Cook. He says, "Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going down. I'm going down the south. I'm going to go to discover Australia because no one lives there." Um, and uh, Banks said, "Well, how do I get on the boat?" And Cook said, "Well, you have to give me a shitload of money to pay for the voyage." He yeah. goes, "Yep, done, 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 and <laughs> done." I got it in my pocket right here. By the way, yeah. I'm going to build my own lab and I'll bring all my own equipment and I'll fund your yeah. fu- half your voyage or a third of your voyage or something like that. So they went, this is 1768 to 1771, so they went down to Brazil, Tahiti, they went to New Zealand, and then Australia, and then uh, went back and said, yeah, discovered it. We fucking discovered it. (laughs) Nobody lives there. It's open slather. Let's go take it. Anyway, the story I wanted to tell is um, when they got to Tahiti, the, the, the Tahitians were like, oh, come to our land. We have plenty of food, lots of women to fuck. Come here, it's all beautiful. <laughs> and the British were like, I say, sir, that's that's terrible. They, they were like the Tahitians, according to Banks, were like fucking on the beach in front of everybody. They just walk up and start <laughs> fucking each other. It was going on. 
<clears throat> anyway, Paradise. Banks, right. everyone else was horrified. Banks was like, yeah, baby. <laughs> he said, hey, dude. science. Look, I'm doing this for science. Yeah, I think he had a fiance <laughs> back home in England, but he was like, yeah, science. As he's taking his pants <clears throat> down, yeah, I'm doing yeah. this for science. <laughs> I'm doing this in the name of science. <laughs> It's already hard. He, he ended up uh, living in, in a in a in a not, a not a tent, but what do you call, like a like a hut? A hut. That's the word I'm looking Bamboo, for. Bamboo. Hell, I don't know. With I think yeah. it was the king's wife and the king's oh my. daughter. Oh, that's hot. Yeah, the king was like here in in a, in a gesture <laughs> of friendship. Please Take my- fuck my wife and my daughter. <laughs> and he was like, oh yeah, all right, baby. And he ended up being. He ended up sort of learning the language and being the intermediary yeah. between the Tahitians and the British. He'd, he'd rock up to cook on the boat uh, every day, sort of wake up, right. you know, get a, get, a, get a shag for a couple of hours, <laughs> have a nap, shag some more. Finally, he'd rock up like early afternoon, disheveled and be like, oh, man, I had the wildest side. They're like, we don't want to know. And he's like, oh, oh. Well, anyway, anyway. So Instagram, yeah, I got to tell you. Anyway, here's the deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he, it's, yeah, I read uh, a biography on him years ago. Uh, oh. I mean, and, and full credit to the guy. Like, he was like, hey, listen, this is how you do science. You, 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 yeah. you get in there, you accept their <laughs> customs Right, and the that. fact that I'm just shagging myself senseless with these gorgeous, dark-skinned women, that's just the price I have to pay to be <laughs> a genuine scientist. Right. Anyway, right. back to back to French Polynesia. So the um, the the French president, uh, the president of French Polynesia, Edouard Fritsch, mm-hmm. uh, admitted last week on Tahiti TV that uh, they've been lying to people for decades about the nuclear testing that they did oh. there uh, during the Cold War. Right. Um, from 1960 to 1996, the French carried out almost 200 nuclear tests in French Jeez. Polynesia. Uh, very yeah. famously, for those of us who were around in the 80s, we remember the Murarora Atoll um, uh, a test. It, it became sort of infamous and was... Um, Thing that the the centerpiece of a Greenpeace uh, anti nuke campaign for right. a long time, uh, but the French have always insisted that uh, the nuclear tests they did they had no negative impact on human health. They were right. all very very clean, very very safe tests. Nothing to worry about because we care about right. our colonial possessions. Um, because we're French, we're good people. Right. They insisted this up until 2009. Fuck. Oh, uh, my God. And then in 2013, French media reported that they got access to leaked defense ministry documents that showed that uh, uh, far from being clean, these tests exposed the Tahitians to 500 times the acceptable radiation levels. Oh, my God. Now, I, I'm not a fucking machine scientist like some people, but wouldn't a lot of French go to Tahiti for their vacations? That's why one of the reasons why you have an empire in exotic locations. You can go there, and it's relatively cheap. So you're not only lying and poisoning these people, but you're hurting your own 
French people. You, you're doing the Joseph Banks tour. Hey, that's, right. that's how they sell it. The Joseph <laughs> Banks tour. Go to Tahiti. <clears throat> oh, my franchise in. You go to Tahiti. Live with the king's daughter. Um, yeah, well, I don't know. No, if you're on there. might on, start glowing. But if, go you're, ahead. if you're not there when the tests actually happen, um, ah. I don't know. There's, probably, there's residual radiation. But, but anyway. 200 tests. 200, yeah. yeah. And they finished in 1996. Um, so, long time. So last month, uh, one of the uh, opposition political leaders in Polynesia, Oscar Temeru, said his party had referred all living French presidents to Uh the International Criminal Court for Crimes Against Humanity. Boy, that's how you do it. I'm impressed. I mean, you and I know it's not going to go anywhere, but still, that's balls. I wonder if that includes like presidents uh, post nineteen ninety six. I guess if they've been lying to people all this time, yeah, that's as bad as dropping them and lying them. Implicit. Um, yeah. There's a church in Tahiti called the Maui Protestant Church. They have taken a complaint about the nuclear weapons testing to the UN Human Rights Council in Geneva. Oh, um, shit. So just a, another example. Like I mean, I normally pick on the Americans when I talk about lying to the yes. people. Uh, this time. Here's the French. Um, yeah. Just been lying to the people of France as well as French Polynesia, obviously, uh, and to the world for decades yeah. and decades and decades about the risk they were putting the Polynesians uh, at. Jeez. So I guess, the, look, the, the rule, general rule of thumb is don't believe anything your government right. ever tells you unless you assume they're lying verify yeah. it with data we yeah. need independent bodies that can verify stuff with data because governments Mm-mm. lie always have yeah. always will um our job is to try and figure out where they're lying now that used to be what we relied on the media to do, but the media are just as bad now. And again, this is something that I agree with Trump. The media is the fake media. The media yeah. uh, have themselves to blame for this. They have been lying, and we've exposed this on our Cold War show when I did the three episodes on Castro's obit, on, uh, well, other parts of the Cold War show, but also on our uh, War on Drugs series. We've talked about how the media lied about the dangers of drugs for... Up and down. hundred yep. years, up until the last yes. few years, the media have been part and parcel of government anti-drug propaganda, even though all yep. of the data was out there to say that it was right. bullshit. The hand media tended to just yeah. flat out fucking ignore it. Um, for their own commercial interests because, you know, waving the banner of, oh, the druggies are coming to get you um, is good good for business. It's all, you know, we've quoted stats on the show about how circulation numbers would go up whenever Time magazine or something like that would put somebody snorting coke or smoking meth on the front cover and talk about how the, the druggies are coming. Jeez. Yeah. Speaking. Or the eight loop. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of media companies lying to us, Ray. <laughs> yes. I am shocked, shocked that there's lying going on my Facebook page. In this establishment. In this establishment. Uh, <clears throat> Facebook. Uh, it's been revealed by the New York Times, the failing New York Times, that uh, Facebook, <laughs> which is basically a, a, a media company, um, right. has been lying uh, to us uh, for the last few years. 
According to a big report that came out last week in the New York Times, in the lead up to the 2016 presidential elections, Zuckerberg mm-hmm. was publicly declaring that it was crazy, a crazy idea that <laughs> Facebook had any role to play in the, into, in the deciding the election. That's step one. But he knew differently. We now right. know that uh, his security experts inside the company and Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg, his chief operating officer, knew mm. for a year before the election that uh, there was ongoing attempts to use Facebook as a uh, divisive and propaganda platform to cause trouble in the election. Mm -hmm. Um, But they not only didn't tell the public, they didn't tell even their own board of directors for a year. How is he still... does she still work there? I guess she does. They both still work there. Okay. Now, when the public found out, Sandberg ran a PR campaign to basically deflect the criticism onto others and to criticize their critics. So she hired a PR firm, Barry and Stan, to come in... Right. And uh, run stories, you know, get stories out into the media that blamed other companies on uh, the, you know, the, the sort of the, the um, election propaganda. They were pointing mm-hmm. the finger at Google, at Apple, and at George Soros. Um, uh, good old George. Everyone hates George Soros, yeah. uh, including Facebook. Aww. They... they yeah also push negative stories about their critics classic tactic anyone who's criticizing you try and get stories out there to destroy their credibility there's a harvey weinstein move right um they also got senior democratic senator chuck schumer amy schumer's Mm -hmm. uncle whose daughter works at facebook and who Facebook employees, mostly the senior execs, had donated a shit ton of money uh, to his campaigns in 2016, they got him to tell other Democratic senators, members of Congress, to back off on their criticism of Facebook. There was a Democratic senator called Warren who was asking hard questions, and apparently Schumer said, hey, back the fuck off. I like Facebook. They're my friends. My daughter works there, Um, you know. Do they finger at others, motherfucker? I I just have to ask, and again, whatever. But I know he's powerful. I know he's an institution because uh, he's been there for so long. But don't they stop and think that eventually, in some form or fashion, this is going to get out? But I guess you worry about that storm later when it happens, and you you take care of your friends who are taking care of you, and that's just the way the game is played. You're talking about Schumer. Schumer, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's yeah, just well, it's yeah. deals for f- deals for friends, man. Deals for mates. Yeah. That's that's how politics work. <laughs> Everywhere, okay. You know, not just in the U.S. Obviously, yeah. Everywhere. So that's um, so that's going on at the moment. Um, again, I don't know what's going to happen with this. I there there are some cries in the media from um, sort of big investors, industry analysts, some politicians uh, saying that Zuckerberg and Sandberg need the, yeah. need to go or have their wings clipped, have some adult right. supervision. Um, <coughs> but uh, look, I mean, no. on, on one yeah. hand, I'm not surprised. I mean, 
I never believed anything Zuckerberg's ever said. I mean, Zuckerberg just comes across as shifty. In those Senate hearings, uh, and there might be some implications here that he lied in the congressional inquiry or the Senate hearings, whatever it was around the whole, um, you know, election uh, coverage in Facebook. Uh, There may be some implications regarding that. But again, Facebook now is so powerful. Um, Yeah. I mean, I don't know if this happens, but it's not outrageous to think that, okay, if a senator called him in and threatened Zuck, Zuck could take him aside and go, well, you know, you could do that. That's right. You could... uh, You could could do that, but have a look at these photos we pulled from your direct messenger stream. Is that that your penis, Senator, that you sent to a 15-year-old boy? Uh, Is that your – oh, my God. I was going to say teacher, like uh, the French, but, hey, whatever. That works too. (laughs) I don't think there's anything wrong with sending your penis to a teacher who's 24 years older than you, Um, uh, uh, assuming you're of, 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 of legal age. Um, right. But, right? uh, yeah, sending it to the 15-year-old boy is probably a problem. Um, yeah. So, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I, how much dirt do Facebook have? Are they the new J. Edgar Hoover? They just have dirt files on everyone. Not, I mean, yeah, look, that's, yeah. look, it, it's totally conceivable that they have it. Um, yeah. You might think, well, who would be stupid enough to send a dick pic in Facebook Messenger? Fucking everybody would be stupid <laughs> enough to do that. Yeah. Yeah, I got to uh, get off those Nazi porn sites. I God. get drunk dick pics from Ray all the time. Uh, fortunately, <laughs> penis is so small, we can't really no. see. Uh, what's that? An ant crawling across a, a wrinkled piece of paper? I, I can't. What's going on? He goes, no, it's my dick. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Bloom. Zoom. Oh, Pinch and zoom. <laughs> Don't you know how to use your iPhone? Um, you make me want to go back into the bubble sometime. Now, listen. Um, now, listen. Here's my point. You know that they've yeah. got this. This they've got the dirt. The only question right. is, would they be prepared to use it? Now uh, we now know that they were prepared to lie and pay PR firms to spread dirt about their critics. Yeah. So yes, absolutely, they would be prepared to survive to use absolutely. it. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so Facebook, we can assume, has dirt on. Half of the politicians in the United States, um, they've got, even if it's not dick pics, it's like messenger threads or things that they've said to people. We know Facebook apps on the phones are listening to your conversations, (laughs) even when the app's not open. They're listening, they're hearing what you're saying. And, I mean, absolutely, Facebook can track that down. And I'm absolutely convinced that they have people in their security division whose job it is is to monitor power players and politicians and uh, you know record what they're saying and keep a keep a dirt file right so that's my guess on nothing's going to happen to facebook unless it's unless it's driven by a massive investor revolt that mm-hmm. crashes their share price or something i don't think anything's going to happen did, did anybody lose their job in between 2016 and now, whether they were asked to leave or left on their own? I just can't imagine nothing changing. Well, I'm sure yeah, people yeah. lose their job at Facebook all the time, but directly over the uh, application okay. of Facebook as a propaganda tool, I don't think so. And, and again, I, you know, I, I don't necessarily think 
there's anything wrong with that. I mean, Facebook is a global tool. Anyone can buy advertising on Facebook for anything you like. I can buy advertising on Facebook to say whatever I want about you and your bubble, so and your you know, your ant-sized dick pics. Unless you're like Ant Man and you have a suit that can shrink you down and shrink you up or something like um, that. I mean, you, maybe I've you, only got the part of the suit that goes over my penis, so <laughs> it's not working out for me. I don't really want to talk about it. How do you even tie it up when you put it on? Like, is 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 it Velcro? Does it just it's, you gotta you gotta concentrate and and. <laughs> It takes time. It takes time. All right, we're running out of time. Last story uh, yeah. before we yeah. go. Julian Assange. Um, now, uh, this is a fascinating story in and of itself. Um, the right. U.S. government uh, accidentally leaked recently that they have or are going to file charges against Julian Assange. Um, when I say accidentally leaked, there's uh, a... a University professor who who tracks certain stories on I think it's on hate crimes or sexual crimes or something like that. Mm-hmm. A few days ago, he was reading uh, an amicus brief or something that had come through on a completely different subject, and then huh. in that he found lines referring to Julian Assange and how they had to keep his charges secret. And oh my god! It looks like somebody in the prosecutor's department uh, accidentally cut and pasted uh, paragraphs from the wrong brief to put into this other into brief, this. and oh then my they god. put it out public um, publicly. And this guy found it. Now, um, <clears throat> this is interesting. Now, uh, Assange obviously is still in the Ecuadorian embassy, as far as we know, in London. He's been there, I think. Six years, give or take. Jesus. We know that the Ecuadorian government cut his um, communications to the outside world some months ago. Right. Um, uh, because there was a change of government. Uh, the elections in Ecuador, right-wing government got in, not very friendly towards uh. Assange. Um, and basically accused him of breaching their agreement by tweeting political stuff um, that could upset their allies. And so they cut his internet access. Right. Um, but uh, we, we, we've never been uh, fully aware. I mean, Assange has always said that he's hiding out in the Ecuadorian embassy because he believed that the uh, if he left, the British or the Swedes would send him to the United States and he'd end up in... Gitmo or another CIA torture black site somewhere in Saudi Arabia or Iraq or in Pakistan or you know, wherever they operate them these days. Qatar. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, there have been accusations uh, from the left in the United States for the last couple of years that he is on the Trump team, uh, that he deliberately endeavoured to help get Trump elected because he didn't like Hillary Clinton. Um, And there were were some email discussions between him, I think, and Donald Jr. uh, just before and just after the election. Right. Well, Roger Stone has claimed that he was friendly with Assange. Assange, I think, has always denied that. Okay. Um, there, there is a theory that when that the Russians hacked Hillary Clinton's emails, and that when they did that, they gave them to WikiLeaks to publish, um, 
under the disguise of Guccifer 2.0, a hacker. Third party, right. Um, Assange has always denied that he got them from the Russians, whether or not he is lying, whether or not he they they tricked him into thinking he was getting them from a separate party, or whether or not he's right and everyone else is wrong. Because, again, right. I don't believe anything that comes out of the U.S. government or intelligence services. Uh, don't take it at face value anyway. Right. Um, we don't know. But, um, you know, it certainly seems strange if he's that friendly with the Trump administration that they're going to file charges. Now, it may have to do with the Mueller case uh, about ah. Russian hacking of the election, in which case, you know, may not be coming out of the White House, but it's coming from the Justice Department. Now, uh, whether or not uh, the Trump Trump has any control over the Justice Department, Jeff Sessions is obviously gone now, whether or not that makes a difference. We don't know anything really about this. It was just a leak that mentioned Assange's name and said something about, right. obviously, with the sophistication of the... Uh, of the uh, 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 guy, we have to keep this very secret, etc., etc., etc. So, and he's in, he's currently based internationally, and it was some other references uh, that that made it quite clear that they were talking about Julian Assange. Now, if yeah. the U.S. charge him, there there are profound implications for press freeze. Now, I don't care if you love him or hate him, if you think he's a, a, a traitor if you think he damaged the U.S. democracy, if you think he should or shouldn't release information about uh, U.S. military committing murder, if you think he's a rapist, all of that aside, let's put that aside mm -hmm. for the moment. Right. There are profound implications for press freedoms. Uh, as Assange's lawyer said, the government bringing criminal charges against someone for publishing truthful information is a dangerous mm -hmm. path for a democracy to take. Now, Absolutely. that said, we are seeing this happen around the world. Um, it's not just in the United States, and it's not just relating to Assange. For example, in Australia, there is now a law that anyone who publishes information about the treatment, Australia's treatment of asylum seekers that are put in concentration camps on tiny Pacific islands, Jesus. even if that information is true, you can be sentenced and to jail. Right. How in the when did that pass? How in the fuck did that get through without people going in an uproar? Or they're just passive at this point? Yeah, well it was it had it had support from both political parties, major political parties. It got through a couple of years ago. Okay. Uh, because they're both implicit ah. in uh these, ah, in these, these concentration themselves. camps, yeah. Right. So any any doctor who goes there and comes back and talks about it, boom, you can be sent to jail. Any journalist, well, they don't even allow journalists on there, but if you manage right. to get in, you come back. Any aid, aid workers who go there, mm -hmm. come back and you talk about it, boom, go to jail. Um, yeah. So the, so this sort of thing is happening around the world. Um, but uh, Assange obviously is a very big uh get for the Americans. They they don't right. like um, what he did. Well, one of the reasons the Obama administration never filed charges against him, as I understand it, is that, you know, if they did go after WikiLeaks, they would have to go after the traditional news media organizations like the New York Times, because yeah. they've published a lot of the stuff that WikiLeaks has published, or they've published news articles based on documents that WikiLeaks published first. So what do you do? Throw all of the media 
that publishes things that you don't want them to publish into jail, things that are top secret, even if they're about you know legal illegal acts or immoral acts committed by the government. Do you throw them all in jail? Maybe I mean I'm pretty sure Trump would love to throw the entire media in jail. <laughs> right. Did you see where uh, what's his name Costa got his uh, press pack back for now? I yeah. guess they have to go through that more, but he's he's back, so we'll see what happens. This is the CNN journalist who seen it. Yeah, yeah. Beat up a woman Who's, in the White right. House uh, yeah. press briefing room. Jeez, smacked yeah. her down. Not um, now. <laughs> uh, and, and again, I don't know. People, you know, I see a lot of talk online about oh, Assange, they they refer to Assange as a rapist. Now, that's very yeah, what is dang- that about? That's very dangerous stuff as well. Oh, you don't know the story? You do know the story? Well, I don't remember it. Okay, so in in 2010, uh, two women mm-hmm. in Sweden um, jointly went to the Swedish police, not to bring charges against Julian Assange, but in order to track him down and persuade him to be tested for sexually transmitted diseases after they both slept with him. Um, right. From memory, the story is that he was he was working out of Sweden at the time, um, met these two girls. One was 26, one was 31, had had sex with them on separate occasions, not on the same occasion. And I think, right. again, uh, consensual sex. Um, but in one of their sexual, respective sexual encounters, didn't wear a condom. I, th- I think from mm. memory, like, he had sex with a girl, one of these girls at least one night, um, with a condom on, and then woke up early in the morning and and they had sex with her again. Didn't have a condom on that time. She wasn't aware of it. Um, now in Sweden, that is considered rape. Wow. Having, having sex with someone, even if it's consensual, but not telling them that you're not wearing a condom, it, it falls under the rape category um, or that's, molestation in Sweden. That's splitting hairs, but okay. It's well, their law. I get it. Yeah, and I'm I'm not criticizing the law. That is that is the no. law. Now, but 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 if you leave all that out and just say he's a rapist or he's accused of rape, that paints him in a completely different light, which is probably your point. Yeah. Now, um, again, according to the Swedish, um, these women weren't trying to bring charges of rape against him. They were just trying to get him to take a, you know, a. Right. sexually transmitted an test. STD test, right, that they could see. Yeah. Now, the police told the women they couldn't force Assange to take a test, but that their statements would be passed on to a prosecutor, which is a strange thing um, in and of itself. They mm-hmm. go there saying, hey, we want this guy to take a test, and the police go, we're going to pass it on to a prosecutor. Anyway, the same day, um, a prosecutor ordered the arrest of Julian Assange on the suspicion of rape and molestation. Not what the women <sighs> were looking for, but the, the prosecutor did it anyway. But then right. the case was transferred, I think, the following day to the chief public prosecutor. Um, she asked some questions about it and then declared, I don't think there is reason to suspect that he has committed rape. Mm-hmm. Right. But uh, the Swedish right. prosecution authority said that he was still a suspect for molestation. So... I don't know how they define the difference between rape and molestation with the condom stuff, but anyway, that's that's how it came to. Um, gotcha. Again, Assange uh, found out about this, um, said that the charges were without basis and that he found the whole thing deeply disturbing. 
Um, then the preliminary investigation concerning rape was discontinued by the chief prosecutor five days after the women first walked into the police station. Um, But then uh, a week or so later, the director of public prosecution, Marianne Nye, decided to resume the rape allegations. Ah, that so sounds some, political. Something happened. Yeah, something happened in that next week. Chief prosecutor said, "No, we're not. We're not following this up on rape." And then the director of prosecution a week later went, "Yeah, I think we are actually." Now yeah. <laughs> they just, got a phone call just before all of this broke out. Assange had applied for a work and residence permit in Sweden. He was thinking of basing himself mm-hmm. there. Um, a couple of months later, his request was denied. He left Sweden. Um, and then they tried to call him back. He did answer questions, I think, from police at some stage. Anyway, um, in November 2010, this will happen late August, in November 2010, Marianne and I ordered the detention of Julian Assange on suspicion of rape, three cases of sexual molestation and unlawful coercion. Um, There was a European arrest warrant issued for him, um and uh, that's when I think he'd been living in the UK for a couple of months at that stage. He he challenged the hearings, lost the challenges, and uh, that's when he sort of hid himself away. Um, gotcha. Was it, it was six of, years? It was a couple of years later, actually, that he ended up in Ecuador's embassy. He, he okay. He, he um. He was hiding out somewhere else for a while, somebody's house, I think. But he ended up, yeah, sought refuge at Ecuador's embassy. Now, of course, since then, the uh, three allegations have been dropped by Mm -hmm. Swedish prosecutors. Um, In 2015, they announced that the statute of limitations had run out. And so they dropped the investigation. But okay. uh, the the British have still said, yeah, but he um, had been granted bail. The British had arrested him uh, because of the European arrest. When he'd been granted bail, that's when he uh, um, hid out in the Ecuadorian embassy. So they said he will arrest him for absconding from his bail. And Assange is obviously concerned that they will then um, extradite him and send him to the U.S., the Australian Jesus. government isn't getting involved, has never got involved in this, even though he's an Australian citizen. The Australian government, both major parties have said, hey, not, not our fucking problem. They don't like right. him either uh, because he pisses the Americans <laughs> off and the, the Australian governments like to suck up to the Americans. Um, right. So that is what's going on. But, uh, you know, look, at, it bothers me when people just refer to him as a rapist, uh, innocent yeah. until proven guilty, even in a Me Too era. Um, and again, sure. keeping in mind that these women didn't accuse him of rape when they went to see the police. They just accused him of having sex without a condom. They they also found out that he had sex with multiple women um, and they wanted to get him to take an STD test. Right. Um, by the way, I'm not saying this to defend Julian Assange. Is he, yeah, is, yeah, he, just is, he a, is he a psychopath? Is he a piece of shit? I don't know. Don't know the guy personally. But I think, again, we need to draw a dividing line between any personal demons he may have and the work that WikiLeaks does um, as a a publisher of leaked information about political and corporate uh, crimes. 
Yeah. I mean, you can hate me for leaking the truth and call me a criminal or whatever, but it's still the truth. You would think they would be focused on that and not the person doing the leaking. But what do I know? And what what disturbs me, particularly about the, the people who call themselves on the left, when he leaked the stuff about Bush administration, uh, the left loved him and were like, oh, right. he's the fucking best. As soon as he leaked stuff that damaged Clinton, they were like, fuck Liar. him. He's working Russians. for the Russians and Trump. Yeah. Like this, this no ethics, no integrity. Uh, the, yeah, the, everybody's just, self-serving. Like, you know, you're on my side or you're the enemy. Not right. Jeez. Uh, uh, realize. Don't that. trust. Yeah. Don't All right. Well, that's people. the story for, that's the news for this week. Uh, have a week, people. Be good to each other. Or not.